happens when you put joy, superheroes, and a love of all things good and holy together? You get the Guardians of Virtue podcast, designed for saints who want to fight for the most precious of all gifts of our time, virtue. Join your host, Elisa Lindsay Johnson, that's me, as I discover everyday heroes who all have one thing in common, a desire to fight as Guardians of Virtue for God, freedom, and our families. Let's discover together what it really means to be a guardian of virtue. Today's episode is with someone very special to me, my grandma. She is a special lady and I love her so much. And to me, she is a guardian of uh, perseverance, a guardian of enduring to the end and a guardian of family. She uh, was so surprised to see me when I came to visit her last year. I surprised her and it was so fun. And she kept on saying, I can't believe you came to visit me. I can't believe you came to visit me. And and I was half embarrassed because I hadn't come in a while to visit her and also um, thrilled that I made her day. <laughs> and she uh, is a very special woman. And when I mentioned interviewing, th- that was one of the purposes for my visit besides just visiting with her is I wanted to, I wanted to, to um, record this pe- or her for family history. I wanted to I wanted my children to get to know her more and I wanted to preserve her her memory. Um she's 92 and we don't, you know, that's getting up there in, in years and we don't know how much longer we have with her and I wanted I wanted to preserve that preserve her. And so when I brought up the interview she was like, "Oh yeah, I was going to say that cuz last time you came you said you wanted to interview me and and so I wanted to make sure we did that this time. And so she was so tickled and excited to be interviewed. And um, I thought that there would be no better way than sharing it on this podcast. Because to me, my grandma is such a guardian of virtue. And um, she is so special to me. And the world deserves to know her goodness. And so without further ado, it's time to meet Marjean Lindsay. Go ahead and tell the camera your name. Marjane Lindsay. And where did you grow up? In Logan, Utah. I. <clears throat> it says my dad told me that I came 20 minutes before the doctor did. That <laughs> he called the doctor and he didn't come, didn't come, and Grandma was there as midwife. And then the doctor came 20 minutes after I was born. So were you born at home? or Yes. Okay. Yeah. And go ahead and tell, I know your birthday, but go ahead and tell the video your birthday. Uh, <clears throat> June 18th, 1930. What was your childhood like? It was, um, it was good. I was the second to the oldest. I had a brother that was older than me. And uh, then we moved when I was about six years old and dad built a new house. And while we were building it, they rented a house and it was just a 
a, a bed, one bedroom and big living room and a big kitchen. And there was four of us, or no, three of us. And so it was a little crowded. And we, while we were living there, I had the measles. We all had the measles oh, together. Wow. So. Fun. And you have five siblings. I'm four. Four siblings. Or no, five. Five. There's, There's five six of, you. of us. Six yeah. of you. Okay. And you're second oldest, right? Yes. Uh -huh. um, what was your favorite activity to do with your family when you were a kid? Uh, probably riding our tricycle. We had a big tricycle we always rode, and we lived a block from the school, and so we'd go over there to play. And one day, <coughs> Mom wanted, it was time for dinner, and so she told me to go get my brother that was over there. So we, I went over there, and he was riding the trike, so to make him go faster, I got in the back of it and pushed. And as we went down, it was kind of a little hill on the sidewalk. We hit a bump and I flew over the handlebars and he did too. <laughs> we both cut us right here oh, on the no. chin. <laughs> that sounds like an adventure. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> I liked to play jacks. Uh -huh. And those days you had primary on Thursday. And so the school was right next to the church. So we'd go over there after school and the teachers were in um, their meetings. So we liked to play jacks. Well, it was cold outside, so we went inside. Well, we found out that the sacrament table was a good place to play <laughs> jacks. And it wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, so when you were a teenager, did you work? Like, did you have a job? Uh, <clears throat> my folks had a grocery store. My uncle oh. had a grocery store and he died. And my aunt wanted to keep the grocery store, but her kids weren't old enough to run it. So dad said he'd run it for, so he, we took it for five years. So while I was in high school, I, after school, I'd go over and work in the grocery store and stock the shelves. And at that time, mother was boarding. We had what we called boarders. They live in a, one of our bedrooms, and then we'd feed them morning and night. And so she'd be working at the store, so she'd send me home, tell me what to do to get supper going. <laughs> so I started supper, and then she'd come home and finish it. Was that scary to have people that you didn't know live in your house? It was interesting. It was fun. Yeah. It was... Did the boarders stay for very long, or was it just a couple of days or a well, couple they months? They stayed or? while they were going to school at okay. their college. Nice. It's a nice way to earn a little bit of extra income. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what did Grandpa do for a living? He was a mailman, a postman. Okay. And um, it was interesting because Christmas, he would, um, we'd open our presents, and then he'd go and deliver packages for people on Christmas Day uh -huh. for about a couple of hours. So so you did you have to wait to open your presents or he we'd would do open it after? before and then he'd leave after we okay. opened them. Fun. Um, did you date a lot when you were a teenager? No, not a lot. I dated some, but not a lot. Um, did you have any boyfriends before Grandpa? No, well... <laughs> I just, not really. I dated some, but not in my senior year, I dated more than I had, but not very often. Yeah. Um, 
I know your story about when you met Grandpa, but why don't you go ahead and tell the cameras? Oh. Or tell me again. <laughs> <laughs> well, my girlfriend and I put our applications to work at Yellowstone. Well, she got accepted and I didn't, so she went out to work. And uh, about, she went out right after graduation. Oh, in July, she sent me a telegram. We didn't telephone then much because it costs too much. So she sent me a telegram saying that if I could be up there within 24 hours, I could have a job. Mm -hmm. So I took the first bus I could find, get, which was 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> and at that time, people would be sleeping over empty seats and there was only only one empty seat and it was by Ray <laughs> and uh, he was uh, he was coming home on a on a furlough he was in the air force and he was coming home on a furlough and so we sat and talked all the way to Rigby and he got up at Rigby and when he got off he says well write to me well I didn't know whether I wanted to or not and I got up to Yellowstone and talked to my friend and she says, oh, right, and you don't know what'll happen. Well, 18 months later, <laughs> we got engaged. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so you like a man in a uniform then, Grandma? Yeah. <laughs> he always wore a uniform, a fireman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Even when he was done in the, the Air Force and in the... He was in the National Guard, right? Yeah. What happened... Um, <clears throat> He came home from the, he got um, released from the airports in July. And he came home and he was working on the farm with his dad. His dad and brother had a farm, which meant three of them were on the farm and it wasn't that big of a farm. Mm -hmm. So he felt like he needed to earn some extra money. So uh, he had two brother-in-laws that, that worked in the National Guard and they told him to come with the National Guard, you can earn some money, extra money. So he did. Ten days after he joined, they were called into active duty, which meant they had six months to go over to Fort Belvoir, Virginia, Ugh. for training, mm -hmm. and then they went over to Korea for a year. So um, where did you live when he was Okay, I went that. back to Fort Belvoir with him for six months mm -hmm. while he was there. And then he came home. He they took a troop train clear across the United States to uh, San, Francisco, San Francisco, and they left from there. So I came home, and I had some girlfriends that were in Salt Lake, and I, I needed a job. And so they told me if I came down there, I could get a job at the telephone company. So I went down there, and, and uh, I lived with my girlfriends down there. Uh, go ahead, sorry. worked at the telephone company. Okay. That, so was it like old school where you have to like push no, the... No, it was what I did. Uh, at that time, Salt Lake was had all the western states. They all, uh, Ma Bell did. And so I took care of the um, equipment that was used in Montana. They would send me all their, all their uh, tickets, and then I'd have to uh, put them all together and... and uh, coordinate them and okay so I took care of all the Montana things that were used in Montana so when when grandpa was done with his service in Korea did um 
Where did you guys, is that when you moved to Idaho Falls? Mm -hmm. He uh, was released uh, when he was, I was working in Salt Lake and he was released and he came through Salt Lake. And so um, I met him in Salt Lake. <clears throat> I had quit my job down there a couple of weeks earlier before he got released. And so I was in Logan, and my I didn't have a car to, or anyway, and it was late at night when he was coming in off the troop train. And so my brother lent me his car. It was an old, <laughs> rattled car. And so I drove it to Salt Lake and picked him up. And then I had saved all our money while he was in the service. I had about maybe two or $3,000, which was a lot of money at that time. And so we came home, so we drove to Ogden. He wanted to buy a brand new car. Mm -hmm. So with the money that I saved, we would be able to buy it. It cost us about $3,000 for a brand new car. Wow. And so he, we drove home and then we drove up to Rigby and he had no job. And we're so he was kind of working on the farm and one day he was working and he got this real bad pain. He just doubled over and he came in and went to bed. About four o'clock in the morning, he woke me up and he says, I've got to go to the doctor. So I called the doctor and we were out, of, out in the country. So we drove into Rigby and the doctor checked him over and he says, you've got appendicitis, you need it taken care of now. Oh, no. <laughs> and so we came down to Idaho Falls and he had his appendix taken out and we didn't have any money, no insurance. He'd had insurance up to 10 days before oh, that. No. So in those days, and my folks had given us $100 for our wedding gift. Mm -hmm. And we put that in the bank. So that's what we used to pay for his, his hospital bill. I never forgive him for using our wedding money. <laughs> <laughs> what a punk. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, how soon after that did he become a fireman and that you well, moved to he, Idaho Falls? Um, he looked around for a job and he was, uh, I think he came down here to Idaho Falls and was deliver a delivery truck for about 10 days. And he had a brother-in-law that was applying for jobs and that was over to Korea with him. And uh, he had applied for a fireman's job. But in the meantime, he got another job that he liked better. So I told Ray about this farming job. So Ray went and applied and got it. And so he worked 25 years as a fireman. Wow. Um, and during that time you had five kids? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you worked as well, right? Yes, I worked off and on at the bank. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> well, let's see, I, yeah, I, well, when we first got married before I had kids, I worked at a bank. I did. I was uh, recording the uh, checks. We had a big bunch of checks, a big, great big bunch from the site, uh -huh. and they and I had to do them on a bookkeeping machine. And so I worked there until I got pregnant, and then I quit. And then off and on, I worked at an, another bank, and they were re building a bank, so they had a. Uh, a trailer house as a, a mobile home as a 
their office while they were building the bank and there wasn't much room in it. So I recorded the checks on a bookkeeping machine. So they let me come in at night and I'd work from about six to 10. Uh-huh. As they, and that worked out good with the kids. And yeah. So. Um, do you have any interesting birth stories to tell when you had your kids? Uh, your mother, Diane, she was born with a cord wrapped around her neck. That explains a lot. No kidding. <laughs> kidding. And it was short enough that it didn't do any damage. But yeah. And you had all of your children at the hospital? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, My first one, Debbie, uh, they gave me ether. And they, they don't do that anymore. But I found out later it takes away your memory. Oh. And so when Dennis was born, I didn't remember how birth was. And I was more scared to have my second one because I didn't remember how the pains or anything. Oh, wow. Yes. Did they give you ether to help with the pain? No. Or it's just memory? Yeah, it just took, yeah, for your pain. Huh. Instead of giving you something else. Now they don't do that. Right. Um, So as your kids were growing up, um... What was your favorite thing about motherhood, and what was your the hardest thing about motherhood? Oh, I don't know. It was all hard and fun. <laughs> yeah. When we lived over in Bel Air, um, I had three good friends. There were two good friends, the three of us, and um, so we'd all get a babysitter for all all of our kids, and then we'd go swimming in the canal, uh-huh. the three of us. And so this one one of them, she didn't swim very well, so she'd get in an inner tube and float while me and Beloy got and we'd swim down the canal. Well, there was a side canal that came off of the canal and I pulled my friend in the inner tube off into that way and then she went under a bridge and she held on the bridge and she <laughs> blacked out. Oh no. And she went under the bridge and we ran to the other side and barely pulled her out. <gasps> it was funny. She stayed alive. Wow. That's scary. Uh, and you always like swimming. Did you yeah. swim in high school? Yeah. Okay. I, do you want me to tell you yeah. that? <clears throat> when I was in high school, I, had, well, my brother was three years older than me, so he graduated the year before I got in high school. But he had been dating a girl who was a year younger than him, and she was a senior when I was in high school. So when she found out I was Joe's sister, she took me kind of under her wing, and she was on the swimming team. So she kind of got me swimming. Uh-huh. And uh, then she graduated, and there wasn't enough swimming per uh, that swam for a team until I was a senior. Uh-huh. And so when I was a senior, we had about five, six girls on the swimming team. And so we'd go with the boys and, and go to the meets. We went to uh, Box Elder, which was over in Brigham City. Uh-huh. And they'd always go and have a big meal after steak and that. And we thought, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> And then we had a meet over in Bear River. It's over by Tremont. And that day I had a, a test. So I couldn't go on the bus. So Mother took me over after my test. Well, I was, I had read this book, training book in our library, and it says you get a good rest before you, 
and have some quick energy before your meet. Uh -huh. So all the way over there, I laid in the back seat getting my rest, eating a chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> Sugar gives you good quick yeah. energy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What was your favorite stroke that you did? Oh, I, I did the breast stroke. Uh -huh. and usually that's what I raced in. Well, my coach, there was the Intermountain Swim Meet with uh, Idaho, Utah, and Wyoming. It was down in Salt Lake. My coach talked me into going down to it. I had an aunt that lived down there. So I um, went and stayed with her for three days. Well, I usually did the breaststroke, but I didn't even place in that, but I placed in the backstroke and mm -hmm. the uh, crawl. And so I got second place in both of those. Nice. I got some medals for uh -huh. That's awesome. Yeah. So you were good. Uh, what, while my husband was um, in the service, I stayed with some friends. Well, this, then they got married, so I didn't know anybody, but they had some friends, mutual friends, that were in Salt Lake. So I went and stayed with her. Well, there were two sisters and me. Well, the two sisters didn't, I don't know whether they didn't like me or what, but they kind of ganged up on me. And one told me to go to hell. <laughs> I had never had anyone speak to me like that. Oh, my goodness. And so I was crying, and I went to it. And then we didn't have a phone, so I had to go to the market to phone and call my aunt. And they came and get, got me, and she says, well, I think you can uh, stay at Beehive House. So I went there for six months, and I stayed in the Beehive House. See, it was an annex next to the Beehive House. It isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. but, and then we'd go over to the Beehive House and have our meals. And then once a month, we'd have a, a kind of a fireside in the Beehive House. Yeah. So I got to live there. Wow, that's cool. Um, so what... Were, what is what was your favorite thing about Grandpa, and what was the thing that infuriated you the most? <laughs> I liked to hear him whistle. Yeah. He loved to whistle. He was so good. And I missed that. I really missed that. And we always, if we ever fought, it was either over religion or money. Uh-huh. And that's what our problems were there. Yeah. Um, what was that like, taking all of your... I. I'm so grateful that you took your kids to church every Sunday, even though Grandpa didn't want to. So what was that like? Well, it was hard, and and, and I'd go out and, not like today, um, the kids nowadays don't take their kids out when they start crying or anything. They just let them stay there. Yeah. Well, I was always sitting out in the foyer somewhere with one or two of my kids. Uh -huh. but, uh, but you still went... Yeah, I have made some good friends, uh -huh. and they really helped. One, I'm still grateful for this one. She and I just are really buddies, and she's my sounding board. If I ever need someone to sound off, she's my buddy. It's nice to have somebody like that. Yes. Um, so, Grandpa decided to finally get his act together and <laughs> take you to the temple when he was 70, right? Mm -hmm. What was that like? Well, 
it was interesting because all through our life we'd gone to temple prep classes, mm-hmm. at least 12 or 13 of them. Wow. And then long time, we were asked to go, after we hadn't been to one for a long time, we were asked to go to temple prep class in August. So we went six weeks of it. He never said anything about it or nothing. And then Christmas came. He says he wanted a new suit. I says, why? You only wear them for funerals and weddings. (laughs) He says, no, I'm going to start going to church, which blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah, after how many years of, I mean, after several years of marriage and fights. And so uh, he got a new suit for Christmas and he started going. And so in February, the bishop asked us to set our sealing date. And so he still, he had given up smoking and drinking by now mm-hmm. and gone to church. In fact, he was secretary of the uh, high priest. Oh. And, um, but he had not paid his tithing or give up coffee. Mm-hmm. So we decided to set his 70th birthday as our sealing date. So this was in February. Well, the end of February, I had my ankle fuse, mm-hmm. which meant I was on crutches for two weeks, four weeks, on a walking cast. So after about hobbling around about a week, Ray got sick, really sick, jaundice. He he turned yellow. Ugh. Even his eyeballs were uh-huh. yellow. And so I took him to the hospital, and uh, they just. It, after, it took 10 days, and they finally discovered he had a blockage in his bile duct. But they tried and tried here, and they couldn't get it. So they said, we'll have you go to Salt Lake University of Utah. Mm-hmm. Well, we went down there, and it's a training hospital. So every day, we'd have a different doctor come in, and we'd have to explain everything. Yeah. And they'd try a procedure once in a while, and maybe not for a while. Oh, this went on for 11 days. We were here 11 days, and then we went down to Salt Lake for 11 days. And uh, we kind of felt like we were lost through the crack of the, and uh, it was getting close to our, our sealing date. And so I told him we could postpone the sealing date, and he says, no. He said that he had a, a, vis- a dream and his mother came to him. She died when he was 11 years old. Uh-huh. And she came to him in a dream, and he, she said, go to the temple now. Uh-huh. So we left Salt Lake against the doctor's will and came home, and he had lost quite a bit of weight, so we got him, so his weight was up and got him, and then we were able to go through the temple. Yeah, I remember being here <laughs> Yeah, for that. Um, so and what was interesting, he was, after he's made a high priest, he was a secretary of the high priest. And at that time, when they did ceilings, they'd have assigned a ward to do ceilings. So every time our ward was assigned, he'd come home and says, I hope you don't mind, but I signed us up to do ceilings. I waited 46 years to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um so uh we were able to go to the temple for four years together which is awesome it was neat that we could he enjoyed it he enjoyed doing ceilings better it was easier with his oxygen Mm -hmm. so yeah um what was your did you guys have anything that you did before you 
like did you go to dinner when you after you went to the temple or oh yeah we had a a dinner at the ward okay we had a catered and we had the family and everybody there yeah with the dinner i remember that and he liked to go out to dinner once a week we'd go out to perkins uh-huh and he was telling how tight he was with his money he always gave him a tip of a dollar and a half <laughs> no matter what it was no way and if he didn't have the half a dollar he'd borrow from me <laughs> 50 cents so he could do a dollar and a half always always That's no matter funny. what it was <laughs> tight wad <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so. He was quite a fisherman. Yeah. He liked to fish, and he, he liked to eat fish. And when he got so he couldn't fish, we had a, a friend that always went fishing and always bring the fish over to him. Mm -hmm. He liked fish. I remember being in the kitchen when he was cleaning fish, oh. like after they would go uh -huh. fishing with my dad or something like that. The last, the last little while, when he had a hard time fishing, we'd go over to Blackfoot Reservoir. Oh, all the way over, it's a dirt road, and it, I don't like it. I don't like to go there. We got over there, and he says, will you bait my hook? And I said, no, I will not bait your hook. <laughs> he wasn't feeling good that day. Aww. But he still wanted to fish. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite? Was fishing your favorite activity to do with him, or what did you guys like to do for fun? We went camping a lot. We had a camper, and uh, we'd go quite a bit and, and enjoy camping. Yeah. And he'd always go fishing while we were camping, and the kids would go with him. Mm hmm. What did you do while they were fishing? Read. Yeah. <laughs> what What's your favorite book? Oh, I don't know. It's been a long a time lot of since them. I've been reading. I don't know. <laughs> um, I used to like to go swim at the spa. Uh -huh. I'd go every day and swim a mile. And uh, I think it helped me with my health. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, and you're almost 92, right? Yes. <laughs> and you're, you're doing pretty good for a 92-year-old. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um so well let's let's end with how many grandchildren do you have? Do you... I have fifteen grandchildren. Uh -huh. Thirty-seven and a half great grand and two great great. That's amazing. Yeah. It's quite a posterity. Yes, yes. I never thought I'd have that many. <laughs> <laughs> um and I think I can remember most of their names. That's impressive. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about being a grandma? Oh, just having grandkids come and see you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we love you. <laughs> Thank you for doing this for me. I appreciate you. Even though we finished the first part of this interview, Grandma was so excited she had to tell some stories about interactions she had with um, some prophet uh, of God in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We believe that the president of the church is the prophet and that he is called of God to be his mouthpiece. And at the time that grandma was growing up, it was easier to to be, get in contact with, with um, these 
precious leaders that we have. And so she wanted to share the couple experiences that she had with uh, prophets of our day. And so this is what she shares. I was born in Logan Ninth Ward. And in that ward, L. Tom Perry and his dad and his family lived there. And on my birth, on my blessing certificate, it's signed by L. Tom Perry, but it's his dad. He was bishop at that time. And we were, I was about five when we moved from the ward, but I always wanted to meet L. Tom Perry. So he uh, came up to Idaho Falls to dedicate, rededicate the uh, visitor center. And it was by special invitation that you got to go to it. Well, I was an ordinance worker at the time, and I asked one of the uh, temple president counselors if I could go to it, and he kind of made a joke out of it. And he says, well, tell him the other counselor told him that you could go to it. <laughs> so I, I went an hour early, and there were so many people at the temple because he was there that the parking lot was just filled. So I went around, and the chapel was right next to the temple. So I went around the chapel in the back of it. There was one parking, so I got in. Well, there was one door in the middle of the building, and I thought, well, I'll go through here, and I won't have to go the other end. Well, it was a kitchen door, mm-hmm. and I got to sneak in without anyone checking. Nice. <laughs> so after the meeting, I went up to talk to Elton Perry and told him that we lived in the same ward. And I asked him if he remembered my dad's store. He says, yeah, I used to freak in it a lot of times. So. That's cool. It was fun. He's, oh, Tom Perry was a good guy. Uh-huh. I always liked his talks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Grandma. Well, I should have told you too. <laughs> Go ahead. It's still rolling. Uh, when I worked at Yellowstone, the only way we had to get around was by thumbing. In those days, it was safe. And so after on our days off, we would thumb around the park to visit. Well, one time my friend and I were out thumbing and we got picked up by President McKay and his <laughs> wife. And of course, all the way around, he told us it wasn't very safe to be thumbing, he told me. <laughs> but we got to talk to him. Did you continue thumbing after that? Did you still continue thumbing after that? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't eat his count very much. And you were safe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. You got to meet him. How uh, did you, they drive you around the whole area? Yeah. Uh, well, they we went from Old Faithful to Thumb with them. Okay. And got off there because they were going somewhere else. Uh-huh. That's cool. But, uh, they wouldn't let the employees have cars or anything. Uh-huh. So the only way we had to get around was by thumbing. Yeah. Huh. Some of them had bikes. They rode bikes around, but uh, mostly it was it was fun. It was a fun time to be up to Yellowstone. Yeah. And, I bet. Yeah. Without all the, I'm sure that they've modernized it a lot. Oh yeah. I haven't been oh, there. The, the cafeteria I worked at isn't no longer there. Really? We had some movie stars come through. Really? Yeah, I think Fred um, Fred McMurray came through. Uh-huh. And I think June Allison, she was an old star. Uh-huh. Did you see them? Uh, I wasn't working when they came oh, through. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
cool. Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to add? That's it. <laughs> That's it. Sounds good. Thank you, Grandma. Now we come to the final part of our interview where my grandma shares her testimony of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And this is probably the most precious part of the whole interview and the part that I will cherish the most. I love her stories and I am so grateful she shared them, but but her testimony of Jesus Christ is is what truly has uh is what truly has left a legacy for our family and I will be eternally grateful for her testimony. I'm grateful for the church. I'm grateful for all that has done in my life. Um, I'm grateful for my grandparents that had a hard time as they joined the church. They were driven out of a city because of being members of the church. And I know they had to go through a lot of suffering for the church and I'm grateful for serve in the church. I've been Relief Society president, primary president, and secretary of the Relief Society, and a young women's counselor. And I'm grateful for the opportunity I've had of being able to raise my children in the church, that they're all except Dennis are active, and that someday I hope he will become active. He's a good boy, and he He's very compassionate towards people. Um, I'm just grateful for the opportunity I've had of living in this world. And I know that Jesus Christ is our, re our Redeemer and our Savior, and that President Nelson is our president of the church. And I do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to my interview with my grandma. She is one of a kind. And uh, I think if we were to take more time to listen to people that have lived such long lives, that there is so much that we can learn. And I believe that if we did that, our, our world would be better. We would probably find more time to spend time with family. We would probably spend more time for forgiving people and uh, spend more time doing the things that are truly important. And I'm so grateful for her. And I hope that you learned something from, from this interview that I did with her, just like I did. We love you, Grandma. Thank you for the life that you've lived for us. You're the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Guardians of Virtue podcast. Please don't forget to give us a follow. And if you have time, please leave a review. Peace out, dudes.